Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, brought to you by First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Megan Kinsinger, Portfolio Manager for First United Wealth Management. Today, we will be covering matters of interest regarding the investment markets and the related economic environment impacting those markets. But before we get started, I would like to cover some housekeeping items. First, this podcast will be recorded and posted to our website at www.mybank.com blog later today. Secondly, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Simply search First United Bank and Trust and hit the subscribe button and you'll get a notification every time we post a new episode. All right, so let's begin by taking a look back on last year. 2019 was a banner year for financial markets. The primary driver for the performance in 2019 was accommodative central bank policy around the globe. This accommodative policy contributed to a steep drop in bond yields over the course of the year, um, but this mechanical decline in rates lifted fixed income returns to the tune of 7 to 15 percent. The same logic of lower rates lifting asset valuations applied to equities as well, with the S&P 500 total return around 31.5% for the year, and much of that was attributable to interest rates falling. The secondary driver of performance in 2019 was the volatility related to the U.S.-China trade uncertainty, though um, it created increased volatility throughout the summer, particularly in August, Um, Once there was word that this phase one trade deal was possible between the two countries, it gave legs to the equity market at the end of the year. So looking at positives for the economy, uh, non-farm payrolls did add 145,000 jobs in December, which capped off the ninth straight year in which new hires topped the 2 million mark, but did fall short of the 165,000 expectation. The unemployment rate did remain at 3.5%, which is still near that 50-year low. Um, annualized wage growth did slip a bit from t- from 3.1% to 2.9%, but still remains near that 3% level. This is the sturdiest labor market that we've seen in decades, and it's really shielded the economy from a broad slowdown in go- global growth, triggered in part by the U.S. trade war with China. Skilled workers are so hard to find, companies are afraid to lay off anyone in case the economy starts to speed up. Most of the new jobs are being created in the large service side of the economy. Retailers added 41,000 jobs, hotels and restaurants boosted staff by 40,000, and the healthcare industry added 28,000 workers. The picture that emerges of the U.S. labor market at the end of 2019 is still a bright one. And while hiring has slowed, the pace of layoffs and unemployment sit at or near 50-year lows, and almost anyone who wants a job can certainly find one. Initial U.S. jobless claims uh, did decline by 9,000 to 214,000 in the week ended January 4th, and the monthly average of new claims fell by 9,500 to 224,000. So we look at these claims. Um, Claims are a rough measure of how many people are losing their jobs. And the post-2008 recession low and the lowest level in 50 years was 193,000 reading last April. New claims have mostly hovered in the low 200,000 since then. 
The economy creates and erases tens of thousands of jobs at the end of each year, many of them temporary positions added during the holiday season. And jobless claims often have um, significant swings up and down between Thanksgiving through early January. This year has been no different, but there's still no evidence that layoffs are rising or that the labor market is weakening. Moving on to the ISM non-manufacturing report, uh, the huge service side of the U.S. economy did speed up at the end of 2019, coinciding with solid holiday sales and reduced trade tensions with China. It rose to 55% from 53.9% in November. And keep in mind that numbers over 50% are viewed as positive for the economy and anything above 55% is seen as exceptional. The, the commentary from the respondents for the, for the non-manufacturing report highlighted slow but steady growth and Service-oriented companies that derive most of their sales in the U.S. have been better shielded from the conflict with China than more internationally-oriented manufacturers. Sales inside the U.S. have held up well, negating the need for companies to reduce payrolls, and firms say one of their biggest problems is finding enough skilled labor to fill temporary or fill empty positions, forcing them to either raise wages, retrain new hires, or invest more in automation. According to the conference board, consumer confidence remained near an all-time high. Um, at the end of 2019, we, it's, it's been the best labor market in decades, and it's made Americans feel secure in their jobs and confident enough to keep spending. And the pace of layoffs and unemployment are both near half-century lows. Bloomberg's weekly measure of consumer uh, comfort rose again for the seventh time in eight weeks to a 20-year high supporting continued, um, continued consumer spending growth. Also keep in mind that consumers do power about two-thirds of the American economy. Um, the housing market continues its recent strength. New home sales and pending home sales were both higher in November, and home price growth accelerated in October. Borrowing costs have eased as the Fed has lowered rates, which has helped spur activity. Positive November data aside, the inventory of homes for sale will remain a challenge, and despite the insufficient level of inventory, pending home contracts still increased in, in November. And the favorable, the favorable conditions are expected throughout 2020 as well, but supply is not meeting the, the healthy demand. And while my, most economists expect home building activity to gain steam next year, it won't be enough to fully meet the demand that's in the market, and as a result, home prices should continue their, um, to increase at a healthy, if somewhat slower pace. Continuing with the positives, though we do expect some recovery in inflation over the first half of 2020, we still see it remaining near that 2% level that it's been hovering at. Uh, December CPI showed a 2.3% year-over-year increase, matching the highest level since October of 18. And the Fed's preferred inflation tool, PCE, remains near 1.5%. Despite a recent string of increases in the consumer price index, inflation more broadly in the U.S. has remained surprisingly low, even with the tightest labor market in decades. And a relatively benign inflation, if it stays that way, will keep the Fed from raising interest rates 
throughout 2020, and low rates should help the economy continue to expand for a record 11th straight year. The pace of growth in the U.S. economy was left at 2.1% in the third quarter, as, um, as strong consumer spending was offset by weaker business investment in inventories in the final estimate from the Commerce Department. The economy looked pretty much the same during much of last year. Manufacturing activity was flat, while consumer spending was powering the economic growth, and the strong labor market that we continue to touch on has really given consumers the, the main engine of the U.S. economic growth, the confidence to keep spending, extending a record expansion in its 11th year. Most economists see little risk of recession in 2020 after the Federal Reserve cut interest rates and trade tensions between the U.S. and China have eased. The latest job reports gives the Fed more ammo to maintain low interest rates for the foreseeable future in the absence of any inflationary pressures. Moving over to some negatives that we've been viewing in the economy, um, staying at the top of headlines, of course, is that U.S.-China trade riff. Um, President Donald Trump on Wednesday signed the phase one trade deal of a U.S.-China trade agreement that represents a truce in the long-running trade war between Washington and Beijing, which has helped ease concerns of further escalation of tariffs. The prelim preliminary pact boosts um, Chinese purchases of U.S. agricultural, manufacturing, and other goods, and includes enforcement mechanisms. China has pledged to increase its purchases of U.S. goods and services by $200 billion over two years. Uh, the agricultural purchases represent $32 billion of the $200 billion total and include oil seeds, meat, cotton, and other commodities. China has also pledged to give U.S. companies more access to its financial services sector, to refrain from devaluing its currency to aid exporters, and to stop forcing American firms to share their technology as a condition of doing business in China. Though the deal cuts U.S. tariffs to 7.5% on around $120 billion in Chinese products, it keeps in place levies on some $360 billion of Chinese imports. We, we don't expect a phase two until after the presidential election, and we also expect it to be more difficult than phase one, indicating a multi-year process. So looking at the manufacturing side of the economy, um, we did continue to stay in contraction territory, and the slump among American manufacturers deepened in December. The ISM manufacturing index fell to 47.2% from 48.1% in November, and comments from the uh, executives really centered around soft demand and outlooks being soft for the start of 2020. The deterioration in December stemmed in part from Boeing suspending production of its troubled 737 MAX jetliner and the residue of a recent strike at General Motors, but the report showed a broad weakness in manufacturing tied to the ongoing trade war with China. The trade war has really hurt both countries as well as the broader global economy, and American manufacturers began to contract at the end of the summer of last year though scattered signs of a rebound are starting to emerge. What's shielded the U.S. from further harm is steady growth in the much larger service side of the economy. Manufacturing plays a much smaller role in the economy than it did several decades ago, 
and most of Americans now work for service-style companies, and that is why the economy is still growing despite a slump in manufacturing. And although manufacturers ended the year on a sour note, they hope the first phase of an agreement between the U.S. and China uh, will help resolve a damaging trade dispute that leads to further easing of tensions between the two, the world's two largest economies. Looking um, elsewhere globally, geopolitical tensions uh, did ramp up to begin the new year. Uh, tensions with Iran heightened after a U.S. missile strike killed top Iranian general. Um, additional sanctions have been added on the Iranian economy following retaliatory missiles being fired at U.S. personnel in Iraq. Monetary policy missteps remain one of the greatest risks to financial markets during the next several years. This is something we've um, had on our negative watch list now for, for many months. Um, but the tune of central banks has turned more accommod accommodative due to trade uncertainties and weaker economic data. And what we're looking at is, is really some un uncharted territory with much of Europe and Japan at negative uh, to zero interest rates. So that is something that we're gonna focus on and continue to monitor. Okay, so to wrap up, for 2020, the prior year will be a tough act to follow. In fixed income, we do expect a clip to coupon year as we see interest rates remaining fairly range bound and most of the return coming from the interest payout on securities. In equities, it will be more of a show me story with valuations being elevated in stock markets due to the PE expansion that took place in 2019. Earnings growth will likely be needed to move the markets higher. Our expectation for earnings growth is approximately 5 to 7% as comparisons to last year are easier and we expect the U.S. economy maintains its long-term growth level near 2%, bringing equity total returns to 7 to 9%, including dividends. With that, we will conclude today's podcast. Again, this podcast can be found and replayed at our website, www.mybank.com blog or hit the subscribe button on iTunes and get a no notification every time we post a new episode. Thank you for listening and have a great day. First United, my bank for life. This document is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from First United Bank and Trust or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision and should not be relied upon in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, credit, and accounting implications and determine together with their own professional advisors if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. 
Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only, based on certain assumptions and current market conditions, and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results.